The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Some people are bodybuilders, and we're actually going to talk with a couple of them today. And maybe all people are soul builders. And you know what? This interesting way of life, this beautiful plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle that many of us follow or aspire to really builds both. And we're going to be talking about that today. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Program. What a pleasure to have you with us today. If you're listening in the live spot or in the week when this episode appears. Uh, We're starting a new month, the month of February. It's uh, right about Chinese New Year. We should be entering the year of the tiger, which is really powerful and strong. And you know what? If you think you need a little bit of strength that has maybe been lacking in the hard times of the past couple of years, let's just take that today. After the break, we're going to be talking with a wonderful and really charming vegan bodybuilder, Will Um, Tucker. Did I say his name right? You know what? I could have goofed and we just started. Now, let me just make sure I got that right. Will Tucker. That's right. Because, you know, we also have a Will Tuttle in our movement and I was kind of getting those names confused, but we've got Will Tucker today. And in our first segment, we're going to speak with someone who is truly an expert on nutrition and nutrition for athletes. She is Anita Bean coming to us from Surrey in the UK, an award-winning registered nutritionist, internationally published author, health writer, and former British bodybuilding champion. She specializes in sports and exercise nutrition, and she is the author of 30 books. Oh my gosh, my 13 pale. I have to start writing quickly. One of them is the complete guide to sports nutrition. She's also written the vegetarian athletes cookbook and her latest title, the vegan athletes cookbook. She is the nutritionist for the London marathon Ride London and Good Housekeeping Magazine. Welcome, Anita Bean. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on, Victoria. And thank you also for the wonderful introduction. Uh, well, you do 
you have a very interesting niche and it, it's it's curious to me we've got nutrition and then we've got nutrition for athletes and we've got vegetarian vegan nutrition and then we have vegetarian vegan nutrition for athletes yeah. so why in 2022 are you seeing the need to really niche it down is there an audience for this that we haven't had before yeah okay well you're right it, it appears to be a niche but in fact it's a really really growing niche if you like to call it that way um, i mean one of the, the big changes that I've seen in my work and also my nutrition practice is an increase in the number of athletes and active people who are interested in transitioning towards a plant-based diet. So whether that's cutting down on animal products, whether that is actually turning completely vegan or, or, or um, vegetarian, um, there's definitely been a rise in interest. Um, and for, for very good reason, actually. I mean, we all know that vegetarian and a vegan diet produces very many health benefits. It protects the environment. It helps to reduce animal, unnecessary animal suffering. Um, but more importantly, it can support a, it can support performance and recovery, and there is growing evidence. There's a lot of scientific evidence to support that. But I think what athletes themselves are noticing, and anecdotally, they're finding that when they adopt a plant-based way of eating, that they report to have higher levels of energy. They notice that their recovery is much quicker. And they also notice that they experience fewer illnesses and less injuries. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence. And actually, many of these athletes have come into plant-based eating through watching documentaries, the Netflix documentary, The Game Changers, which is perhaps you know, the best known one. Um, I've had even young athletes, teenage athletes, teenage swimmers, teenage runners who have come to my practice and so we've seen this documentary, it's amazing. It looks as if, I mean, the, I guess the message behind the program was that, you know, a vegan diet is the best diet for athletes. Whether or not that is scientifically provable has been debated amongst the scientific community. But the, the, the fact is there is the scientific evidence to support a diet. So in other words, it is perfectly possible to be a vegan diet and to compete at the highest level. So we've got, a huge amount of anecdotal evidence and a growing amount of scientific evidence and then myself personally as you've you know correctly included in your introduction um i'm a lifelong vegetarian and i am mostly vegan diet nowadays but i'm a, a former bodybuilding champion <laughs> i've won the british bodybuilding championships um it was a number of years ago so um i suppose that i'm living proof that you that you don't need to consume meat nor necessarily animal products in order to build muscle and that's really one of the big myths out there that you need to consume animal products to build muscle but you know myself and then many others nowadays included um, are testament to the fact that you can be a very successful athlete you can compete at the highest level at world level and um you know on, on a plant-based diet i mean plenty of examples who are much better known than me we've got top cyclists such as chris Froome. we've got um tennis players venus and selena williams we've got novak Djokovic. there's uh, lewis hamilton of course world champion um racing drive formula one racing driver um even arnold schwarzenegger he has mo he's moving towards plant-based i don't think he's vegan but he's uh, definitely reduced his animal food consumption and 
there is um, you know, some suggesting that he's eating a mostly plant-based diet nowadays, which nobody would have ever dreamt about, you know, 20 <laughs> or 30 years ago when he was, uh, you know, Mr. Olympia competing. Yeah. And now, you know, he's seen the, the benefits of switching his, his dietary habits. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a, you know, a lot of living proof out there. <laughs> well, I know that this is a longevity promoting lifestyle, but I honestly did not believe that I would live long enough to see Arnold Schwarzenegger, even in the vegan ballpark. So <laughs> things are changing. So Anita, if you could just dispel the myth, how does one build muscle? What's the process of building muscle? And then what does protein have to do with it? And what kind do athletes need? Okay, so you're quite right. Perhaps the biggest myth is that you need meat and animal products to build muscle. Well, of course, protein is a major component. Well, muscle is composed of protein. So when people think of muscle, they tend to think of meat because obviously it's the same thing. But what you're, what you're really building muscle from are amino acids. So these are the building blocks. And of course, it is perfectly possible to get all of the amino acids that you need for building muscle from a wide variety of plant proteins. So they don't necessarily need to come from animals. But of course, the different, the main difference between animal and plant proteins, well, two things. First of all, is the concentration of amino acids in the foods. So in general terms, plant proteins will contain a lower concentration on a per 100 grams basis of food. So a slightly lower concentration, but also they contain what we in the scientific community call a lower quality. So it means it's a slightly less optimal profile of amino acids in each foods. So most proteins that come from, say, beans, from lentils, chickpeas, um, from cereal foods, nuts and seeds will be uh, have a low content of certain amino acids. Um, but the idea is that by consuming a variety of different foods, you will, whatever is perhaps lacking or present in a low amount in one food will be compensated by a higher amount in other food. So the key thing for athletes really is to ensure that they're getting a wide variety of proteins. But having said that, of course, there are certain plant proteins which are, if you like, more complete. It's not really a term that I like to use, complete, but it helps people to understand that certain proteins, namely soya protein, that's perhaps the best known one, but also chia and hemp protein actually do contain a higher quality of protein, which means that you are getting all of the essential amino acids and in ratios that are more optimal for muscle building. So what athletes and active people can do is to ensure that they include perhaps a whole variety of both these you know, high quality proteins from soy, as well as um, plant proteins from other sources, you know, from your, your beans, the lentils, the nuts, the seeds and grains, but ensure that you are consuming a mixture of these proteins throughout the day. And then the body was then obtaining all of the building blocks that it needs. Um, we, we now know that we've got a pool of amino acids in the body. You don't need to consume them all at the same time. And the body will draw upon those amino acids as it needs. So when you need to build muscles, so say you've done some exercise, after exercise, the body's in the business of repairing the damaged muscle fibers 
and rebuilding as well as manufacturing new muscle tissue. And so the body will draw upon the pool of amino acids that you have. So the key really is to get a whole variety of proteins and also to ensure that you are consuming adequate energy. In other words, enough calories to support your needs. And once you've met those two main criteria, the energy and the protein, then you are well on the way to building muscle and, and, and supporting physical exercise and recovery. So that's just in a nutshell, you know, the, the, that's if you like, the, the, the main basis of um, I suppose nutri nutrition support for athletic performance that makes it a little bit different from, you know, from people who don't exercise and you know, the non-exercisers. And it seems that it, it requires both. I mean, someone who doesn't yeah. exercise could eat all kinds of protein and good food and they're not going to build any muscle. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you need both. Absolutely. So, um, so uh, there are, first of all, you need the stimulus for exercise. So that's essentially it's a resistance training probably supplies the most powerful stimulus for muscle building. So without that, you're not going to, you know, no matter how much protein you consume from whatever source, you're not going to build muscle. So you do need to have exercise as the stimulus. And then the second thing is the intake of protein or more correctly, amino acids. So those are, if you like, those are the two anabolic requirements for building muscle. <laughs> and it's important, I think, uh, for our listeners, most of whom are not bodybuilders and don't aspire to that. Muscle is important for just regular folks. Can you tell us why? Yeah, of course. Um, well, muscle is, is required. We certainly know that um, it's required for strength, for posture. And as people get older, there is an, a natural loss of muscle tissue. It's called sarcopenia. So as you go through your thirties onwards, we are losing um, a surprise. It's, it's something like 0. between 0.5 and 1% of our muscle mass uh, per year from the, certainly from the mid thirties onwards, if you do not do any regular physical exercise. So loss of strength can lead to, you know, an increased um, risk of accidents. It can lead to falls, um, which is very prevalent and also incredibly debilitating for people who get older. So maintaining strength and, and trying to, to, to minimize or or even gain muscle as you get older has major, major health benefits and longevity benefits. So it's, it's absolutely critical to maintain or increase muscle mass and strength as you get older. Um, so yeah, the two ways of doing that is, is clearly exercise number one, number two, ensure that you are having a balanced intake or you know, getting all the right nutrients, the protein, and then all the, the right nutrients. And so maybe that's something that we can uh, talk about uh, later, yeah, as, as we go on. Uh, well, we will. We'll try to <laughs> cover everything. There's so much in your wonderful book and your, your great store of, of knowledge. I think that I've heard a couple of people when they're asked the where do you get your protein question respond with, well, where do you get your fiber? So we know that a plant-based diet has a lot of fiber. Is, is that also good for athletes or do they need to yeah. be looking for something a little bit different? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, one of the big advantages of a plant-based diet for athletes and all active people is the fact that you're having a high consumption of plants. So you're getting all the fiber as well as phytonutrients, the plant nutrients. I'm talking about things like polyphenols, 
antioxidants. And these components feed the gut microbiota. This, these are the trillions of microorganisms that inhabit our gut, particularly the, the lower sections of gut. So this has a big benefit. We know that the more diverse your diets and more different types of plant foods you're having, the more diverse our gut microbiota. And then having a healthy composition and, and a diverse microbiota has numerous benefits for performance. It means that you're going to have less inflammation, less oxidative stress and better immunity. And those are three components that are absolutely key for recovery after any physical activity. So you don't need to be an Olympic athlete. This really does apply to anybody who pops down the gym now and then, anybody who goes jogging or anybody who likes um, cycling. So it's really, really important to have a diverse microbiota. And of course, the best way to achieve that is by having um, a diverse intake of plants. So let's talk about how to do that for athletes and weekend warriors <laughs> and the rest of us who aspire to being fit and healthy. So you've got something that you call the vegan athlete's plate. What does that look like? Yeah, okay. It's, it's, the vegan athlete's plate is just a simple illustration to help you visualize your plate um, at each of your meal times. You can sort of build, help you to, to build a healthy plate that's got a balanced array of foods and therefore supplying you with the right balance of nutrients. And it's very adaptable. So you can adapt it according to whether you're having a rest day, in other words, not being very active, whether you're moderately active or whether you're highly active. Um, it's, it's, the, the athlete's plate is in line with uh, the UK um, eat well plate as well as the US Olympic um, Olympic centers plate so they have an, an athlete's plate but I've adapted it to make it into a vegan plate so the idea is if you are relatively inactive so say you're having a rest day or a recovery day or just doing a very light amount of physical activity the best way to envisage your plate your your meal times is to aim to have approximately half of your plate um, composed of fruit and vegetables. About a quarter would be composed of carbohydrate-rich foods, so that's mainly your grains and starchy vegetables, such as potatoes. And the other quarter, the final quarter, be composed of high protein, so your plant proteins and calcium-rich foods. So that would include your the beans, lentils, it would include tofu and other soy products. Um, and on top of that, I always advise adding um, some healthy fat, the unsaturated, so a small portion of unsaturated fat. So that's, that's for your sedentary day. And then if you are having a moderately active day, so let's say you're doing about an hour of moderate intensity physical exercise, it can be anything from, um, you know, it could be jogging, it could be playing tennis, it could be um, having a gym workout, then you need to change slightly the, the proportions of these food groups in your plate. So you need to make more room for carbohydrates. Your energy requirements, your, your glycogen requirements are going to be higher. So I, I recommend dividing your plate into thirds this time. So about one third will be filled with your fruit and veg, about one third will be filled with your carb-rich foods, and then one third with your protein-rich foods. And then if you are more active, so you're having a day when you are doing perhaps one to two hours of physical exercise or training, then 
you will need to change the proportions even more as your carbohydrate requirements and your overall energy requirements will be greater. So this time you need to ensure that um, about half of your plate will be composed of your carb-rich foods and then a quarter respectively will be your fruit and veg and your protein-rich foods. So it's, it's kind of it's easier if we were to hold up the book, but it's, it's quite a simple uh, plate model it's a visual representation and it just helps people to to understand that when you are more active you need more calories you need more carbohydrates and you get that from from your grains and so on and then you'll need just um you know you need to ensure also that you've got a bigger plate so essentially you, you need more energy you need more food to support the increased amount of physical activity that you're doing so you use the word carbohydrate a few times and you used it quite sanely and in a complimentary fashion. And a lot of people are scared to death of that word. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't eat any carbs. Can you please explain to us from a scientific point of view, what is a carbohydrate? Should we praise them or run from them? Okay, you're right, actually, um, the last few years, carbohydrates have got a really bad rap. You know, a lot of people are scared of carbohydrates. They believe that it, it's, carbs are, are associated with weight gain, that carbs are associated with ill health. But of course, when it comes to physical exercise, carbohydrates really are essential. Um, our, our body, we need carbs to fuel every process in the body they fuel our brains so it helps us to think helps us to, to can uh, but it fuels every system so we do need a certain minimum amount of carbohydrate to fuel the body which is the body's preferred fuel source and although the body can also use fat as a fuel supply but the body would prefer to use carbohydrate now when it comes to physical exercise carbs are definitely the the muscles preferred fuel and essentially the more intense the exercise the greater the reliance on carbohydrate so let's say you're walking and then you've broken into a jog and then you've got faster and faster into an all-out run the proportion of carbs that your muscles use is going to increase so the thing is that carbohydrate also supplies this energy at a much faster speed than fat so it takes a long time to break down fat compared to carbohydrates if you like carbohydrate is our fast energy and fats are a much slower uh, fuel um, the other thing is that carbohydrates are a more efficient fuel source so for any given exercise intensity you will require less oxygen to break down carbohydrate compared to breaking down fat so carbohydrates are really important for all types of exercise but particularly high intensity exercise so we're talking about we're talking about running which about really anything that will in scientific terms call it more than 60 percent of our maximal aerobic capacity so anything that really makes you feel fairly breathless you will be breaking down carbohydrate in significant amounts but if you're having a low carbohydrate diet you've got low stores of carbs in your body this is glycogen in your muscles then that will um, impede your ability to perform exercise at any given intensity so your body becomes less efficient you'll find that you fatigue quicker you'll hit that point you'll hit the buffers um, earlier on in exercise so exercise feels harder the perceived if you feel like your perceived exertion is going to be um, much higher so the exercise will feel harder at any given point so um, 
it's it's also it, it's horses of course so if you're not doing any intense exercise you won't need as much carbohydrate um so but if you're planning let's say you're doing you want to do a race so even if it's just a 5k even if it's um you know 5k or 10k it's a fairly short race um you'll probably want to put a sprint on at towards as you're coming up towards the finish or let's say you're out on your bike and you want to go up a hill you will need to, to dig in you'll need to increase your energy expenditure and to do that you will have to rely on your body's carbohydrate stores and if it's not there if you've been having a low carb diet then you are at a real disadvantage okay it's going to feel really hard um you are going to be a disadvantage compared to your competitors. You're going to be the one who's lower down the hill. You're going to struggle to get up the hill. You're not going to be able to put in that sprint towards the finish. So it's a case really that if you are planning to do a lot more intense exercise, you need to eat more carbohydrate. But if you're just doing low intensity exercise, then you can probably uh, get away with it with a lower intake of carbohydrate. Um, but I definitely, there's really very little evidence that a low carb diet or a keto diet actually benefits athletic activity. And the vast majority of studies show that um, keto diets um, are really produce, you know, are at a, dis you know, a keto diet is disadvantageous for most types of exercise, especially when it comes to competitive um, sports. Um, yeah, it's definitely gonna put you at a disadvantage. Oh, I, I love the whole holistic idea. It's obviously so disadvantageous to animals and the planet. And now to hear yeah. that it's disadvantageous, even to athletes who have been taught that that's what they're supposed to do for so long. It's very, very interesting to see how it all kind of goes around and comes around. So everybody, we're talking with Anita Bean and the wonderful book is The Vegan Athlete's Cookbook, Protein-Rich Recipes to Train, Recover, and perform. And we will put all of the information about how to find Anita and her wonderful work on our show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. But if you're somewhere that you just want to jot that down now, her website is anitabean.co.uk. Her Facebook page is Bean Nutrition Limited. And you can find her on Instagram at anitabean.co.uk numeral one so we have just under one minute give us an inspiring <laughs> nutritious athletic tip okay um so if you if you want to have speedy recovery after your exercise think about the three hours and i would i would say you've got to first of all think about rehydrating first and foremost secondly you've got to think about refueling so we're talking about grains we're talking about um starchy vegetables you need to get the carbs in to refuel the muscles and the third hour you've got to think about is rebuilding so that means getting your protein in and there's a wide variety of plant-based choices out there that will fulfill your protein requirements so beans and lentils and chickpeas we've got nuts and seeds we've got grains and then many soya products such as tofu so um I, I believe that a, a plant-based diet is really well suited for athletic performance. Wow, this is so exciting. Makes me want to go out and do something active. Everybody stay with us. We'll be back with bodybuilder Will Tucker.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. UnityOnlineRadio.org The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. Isn't it fun to have a fitness hour? We're here in Heart Disease Awareness Month or Heart Disease Prevention Month, and we know that fitness can do that for us, and it can also do so much to uplift our spirits. You know, we were having all that that COVID stuff, and then along comes the Omicron, and just when your spirits get up, somebody says, no, just dampen those down a little bit, but one of the ways that we can keep ourselves elevated is to keep ourselves fit, and my guest in this segment knows all about that. We have been those proverbial Facebook friends for a really, really long time, and it's wonderful today to finally get to to speak face-to-face, and he is Will Tucker, a four-time natural bodybuilding champion, owner of Will Tucker Fitness, and a 10-year vegan. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Program. Hi, Victoria. Thank you for having me on. I've been following your show for a long time, and I'm super excited to be here today. Uh, Well, it's about time, and we should have done this long ago, but we're doing it now, so that's really good. So have you always been a fitness kind of guy? You know, that's a great question. Um, I tend to say yes, especially at my age now, and I'll be very transparent. I'm 52 years old, so um, as far as I truly remember, and this is you know, factual information. I started exercising at the tender age of five years old. I used to wait on um, the bus to come pick me up. I was in the afternoon kindergarten program back in East St. Louis where I grew up. And Jack LaLanne used to have a television show on and I would turn it on while I was waiting for the bus to come get me and mimic him doing jumping jacks and push-ups. What really drew me in was because he had these two German shepherds on there. But then I just started mimicking him daily while we wait on the bus. So that's my first experience with exercise, actually. What an iconic figure, Jack LaLanne. You know, there's so many people who, who do things with their lives and have some influence. And then there is some in whatever field of endeavor that they're, they're just timeless. You know, he'll always be remembered. Yeah, and I'm talking back in 1974, I had this tiny 13-inch black and white television <laughs> in my room. And I was you know, like I said, waiting on the bus and I would mimic him. And then from there, as a child growing up, I was always fairly active, participated in sports, whether organized through school or local organizations or whether just playing with kids in the neighborhood. So I've always been fairly active. Then maybe at the age of maybe oh, 10 or so, my mom got me my first weight set. You know, I shared it with my brother. 
And it's just been an ongoing thing since then, always participating in different athletics growing up. And um, as soon as I got out of college, I really got serious and started competing in bodybuilding. Yeah, well, that is really cool. It seems like all the fitness people I interview either just have the gene and they've been doing it forever mm -hmm. or they were just the opposite. Maybe they were struggling with extreme obesity and, and then they found it as kind of like, I saw the light and it works both ways and it works for people in between. I think it's just the idea of getting up every day and, and doing it, which certainly has been a lifelong challenge for me because I don't want to do it ever, really. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's fun all these years. You know, I have my moments or spurts that I go through where, you know, I find there's a escape or a release or feel good thing. But then sometimes when I'm prepping for a competition and then training, it's like, ah. Uh, Again, I have to go to the gym, but I drag these old bones in there and do what I need to do to um, hopefully have a successful outcome. <laughs> so you were already very involved in the fitness world before you became vegan. And I know a lot of people in the kind of gym culture are just like, can't be vegan. You shouldn't even be vegetarian, but you can't be vegan. Uh, so how, how did you find veganism? How were you attracted to it? And then what did you do with the pushback if you got some? Great question. Um, that is actually how I, that is how the seed got planted towards veganism was through a client. And I'll kind of break it down, summarize it. I came to Arizona after college. I was working in mortgage banking back in the St. Louis area. And then in the mid to late 2000s, when the economy started going downward, um, I ended up relocating out to the West Coast. And it was more of the same out here after a while, changing jobs, getting laid off here, downsizing. And I went ahead, you know, as I mentioned, I was always active, kind of a gym rat, if you will. I went ahead and got certified as a trainer and I started working evenings and weekends at one of the big box gyms out here. And I had a client and she told me she was vegetarian and, you know, she had certain fitness goals she wanted to reach and that blew my mind. But instead of blowing her off or dismissing her, I went and did research and I found out, wow, you can get enough protein, first of all, because, you know, I was a Midwest guy, like I said, meat and potatoes. That's what I grew up on for 36 years. And when she said vegetarian, I'm like, well, how are you going to, you know, the questions started spiraling through my mind. But as I said, I went and did the research and started looking into things. And um, she planted the seed because after that, that same Thanksgiving with some other friends that transferred out to Arizona from the St. Louis area that were still working in mortgage banking, we had a traditional Thanksgiving, all the trimmings, and we fellowshiped. And I went home with this big plate of leftovers, went back to my tiny apartment, and I was flipping through channels, and I wound up on the National Geographic channel. There was a program on about animals being born and the connection between the baby and the mother. And it was whatever type of animal, whether we're talking bears, chickens, fish, sheep, any animal. But there was one thing that was common, the bond between the baby and the mother. And I saw that. And Thanksgiving Day, 2006, I literally threw every piece of meat I had out of my house. And I've been totally flesh-free since then. I would say I was vegetarian at that point. I still did consume eggs and they sneak dairy in so many foods. I wasn't being as tedious as I should have been. And uh, those are the two vices I had for five years. Then October 1st, 2011, I decided I was gonna try to give up those elements, the uh, dairy and the eggs and that ever addictive cheese for 30 days and see if I noticed a difference. Two weeks in, and this is when I had started competing bodybuilding, my recovery was better. 
everything was so much better. I felt better and I was sold two weeks in. So I have been I've been vegan since October 1st, 2011. I just had my decade on October 1st, 2021. So I'm 10 plus years in, but I credit that client many, many years ago, back in 2006, prior to that Thanksgiving incident with the program that I watched for planting the seed. And it's like, she came to my life just for that because she was pregnant and she was, she um, immediately after got sent to bed rest. So we only worked together about a month, but I credit her for planting the seed to even open my mind up. Then seeing that program about animals and the bond between the mother and baby. And that's what led me here, along with a lot of other research documentaries. Um, the book that definitely helped me out, Vegan Bodybuilding Fitness by a good friend of mine, author Robert Cheek. Um, it was so many different resources and they just enlightened me. And when I took that 30 day, which turned out to be a two week <laughs> trial in October 1st, 2011, and where I felt I was so from the compassionate standpoint, from seeing the realizing I was eating somebody's baby and then from the way it made me feel. And I just knew this was where I needed to be. I love that. And I love the story about your client because I think we so often can feel discouraged. It's like, I've been vegan, you know, however long and I've got this family member and this close friend and they're not vegan. And, you know, maybe some of them have health problems that this could maybe help or, or they're on a spiritual path and it would just so uplift that, but they just don't see it. But we don't know about this person that we see three or four times and what maybe we do with their lives and how they can go on and even take it further than us. Cause you said she was vegetarian. Now you're vegan. So when you made the shift, you talked about recovery and all my athlete guests talk about this, but I don't think I've ever asked one. Can you explain for us non-athletes, what does that mean? I mean, recovery, it sounds like every time you work out, you break a bone or something. I know it doesn't. Mean that. So, so tell us what happens during exercise and what do you need to recover from? Well, it's not quite breaking bones. I mean, you may have an unfortunate incident, but uh, when you work out, you actually are um, tearing down muscle fibers and recovery, the way I define it is rest, proper nutrition, pretty much. Those two things make up your recovery period, whether to get you, your body prepared to go into that next training session. Now, prior to being vegan and still consuming, when I was vegetarian, even for those first five years and still consuming the dairy products, I would feel a certain type of way at every lingering soreness. I wouldn't feel as energetic, things like that. And so when I go back to that October 1st, 2011 date where I dropped the dairy that was remaining in my nutritional profile in that two week period, how my training just felt different. I felt cleaner, lighter, uh, I was ready to go the next day. I felt more energetic. I started sleeping better. Um, dairy causes a host of mucus problems. Those things cleared up and just went away within a couple of weeks. It was just amazing. It was night and day almost. And that's when I finally won my first pro card, actually, as a bodybuilder. I had a small background. I competed a few times starting in 2009. But after I went vegan, it was when I finally won. My physique aesthetically became... Uh, better. And I mean, I know it's subjective because it's all in the judge's hands, but apparently it did look better to them as well because um, after turning vegan, I went on to win four natural bodybuilding titles. So That's so cool. So tell us about your sport because I think bodybuilding is something that a lot of people don't understand. They, mm -hmm. they think of it as maybe narcissistic 
and they, they just don't get it. You know, it's not like baseball. So yeah. uh, help, help us make it like baseball. Help us understand. All right. Well, it's not, it, it is more individualized. So it's not like a team sport where, you know, baseball, everybody contributes. I mean, based on the play, you know, somebody's pitching, somebody's hitting, somebody's going to catch, somebody's going to throw it to first base and to complete an out, for example. Um, in bodybuilding, it's very individualized. I have seen the shift and see how people can think of it more as a narcissistic uh, type effort, especially with the rise of social media and some of the things I've seen on there, but I'm a little more old school and traditional with mine. I do it, um, you know, for myself only, although I have competed with other teams and uh, these were all vegan teams that I've competed with. I've competed with two in the past. And speaking of which, uh, let me splice this in. I haven't competed since 2015 and I will be returned to the stage this fall with the plant-built team. Ooh. It's an all-vegan team. We're going to be complete, competing in October out in Atlantic City, so stay tuned for that. Actually, I believe you're going to have the founder on an upcoming show, Giacomo and Danny. I think I saw their names on there. I competed with them as first. That was first time I was with the team back in 2013 with the plant-built team, all-vegan athletes. We went down to Austin, Texas, and we tore it up. I mean, that's where vegan bodybuilding kind of first got on the scene, if you ask me, because of the way we got, we had so many first place winners and as a team, we won the show. So it can be a team effort when you're competing with people in different disciplines. Like I mentioned, we have men, women, whether they were in figure, fitness, bodybuilding, physique, these are different categories, by the way, if I'm losing anybody. Um, and it was a team effort, total points to win. However, when I'm not with the team and it's just me as an individual, it's just me, but there is no, I think since being vegan though, I do kind of go on stage with an edge to prove a point from all the uh, naysayers to say, you can't build muscle, you can't do this, you can't do that as if there's some limitations. What I found is being vegan and plant-based 100%, I find it as an advantage over the ones that consume tons and tons of animal proteins and the like. So that's kind of the short version, I guess. Yeah, well, it's fascinating because um, I, I think when I was a kid, I just thought bodybuilding was just weird. It just was like there are, there are these guys up on a stage wearing almost nothing and they got all this oil on themselves. Just odd. <laughs> but then, you know, I saw that old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you know, Pumping Iron, yes. and really started to see how much there's going on, you know, psychologically. And mm -hmm. in a way, it's like, an aesthetic sport because yes. it takes all that work in the gym all that athletic endeavor but then the result is is to create a form almost like like a sculptor you know michelangelo's yes. david something like that and the fact that you can do that with your own body you know we've all been given bodies and and they have certain limitations and certain advantages and whatever you know we all have our our uh, her heretic I don't want to say her yeah hereditary blueprint that we can can work with but to really have the discipline to to mold and shape of your own body something that is aesthetically what you have envisioned yes. that's cool yeah that's it, really it, cool. It's quite an amazing feat and the feeling, uh, especially when you come out victorious <laughs> because um, you know all the hard work and training that you put in, the hours in the gym, the uh, discipline to 
eat certain foods and avoid certain foods to make your aesthetics that more appealing. And you mentioned the psychological piece, that is huge. You have to be locked in, or at least I do, I can only speak for myself, be serious locked in with a laser sharp focus and not let any distractions get in your way. And I mean, there's so much going on in the world today, but you just have to be disciplined and have that edge as I speak of to know what the outcome that you're seeking. And hopefully when you step on stage, the judges can see that you put in the work and the time as well, and they'll reward you accordingly, hopefully. <laughs> so how does it work competition wise? I mean, I know there are the individual competitions, you know, the Mr. Universe and that kind of thing, but then when the plant built team is doing something, do you, participate only as a team or are you all also competing against one another you know great question um you can depending on the category let's say um in men's bodybuilding for example they have different categories they're either usually separated by weight or height so let's say if a member of plant built were to win the lightweight and uh, a member were to win the middleweight and then there's a random guy who won the heavyweight each class winner would come at the end and compete against each other, you know, in front of the judges, you know, aesthetics, not physically fighting or anything. And um, they would determine a winner. So you could be up against one of your teammates if you're in different classes, let's say, for, like I said, for a men's bodybuilding. So you could be in a showdown with one of them, but you know, it's all love, it's all brotherhood at the end of the day, because you guys are on the same path when you're teammates. However, like I mentioned, if there was some random guy in the heavyweight, your job would be to outshine him. <laughs> Okay, because I was going to ask you about the whole competitive thing with people who also have the same ultimate goal, which is a kinder, saner world. What do you do like mentally to keep that? I mean, I know when you're competing against anybody, you've got to compete. That's what you're there for. Mm -hmm. And yet at the end of the day, you're also friends. That's tough. That's tough psychological stuff. It can be. I've never had any issues with it. I've um, I've lost to guys who were on the same team before, and I've you know placed higher than someone before. And it's all love amongst the team because being the vegan athlete, we're up against the industries. You know, the ones that are pushing the the whether it's the supplements, the powders, whether they're pushing the meat, dairy, eggs to build muscle. The, milk for strong bones, myths, they're pushing all that. So competing against a vegan bodybuilder is ideal to me because they're seeing, as I mentioned, different categories. They're seeing a lightweight vegan, a middleweight vegan, a heavyweight vegan. However, each in our disciplines, I mean, weight classes rather, we outshine the others and we got to that final to compete against each other. So it's always been love for me competing against another vegan athlete because we have the same morals and ethics and that's bigger than winning first place to me. You know, it's like that in, in vegan business. I talked to so many business owners and everybody's just rah, rah, cheering what would look like the competition. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're really all on the same page. So what about the competition? What about the non-vegan athletes? How do you guys get along? What do they think of the vegans? Do they ask questions? What's that like? It's interesting. Um, I've heard comments and negative remarks, especially early on when I um, first went vegan in 2011. Um, 
you know, everything from I'm not going to lose to that freaking vegan to other ones, you know, ridicule or that's, you know, the kid doesn't eat meat or whatever up to, you know, questions and like, well, wow, well, where do you get, your, no, and I mean, they'll be serious. Where do you get your protein or what's your training like or how do you reach certain levels without consuming animal products? And some of them genuinely want to know whether they apply it or not. I don't know because you don't usually only integrate with these people backstage and probably never see them again unless you exchange information or, you know, social media handles or something. But it's interesting. It can go either way. The pendulum, it just depends who's there and the pendulum could swing either way. But nowadays, um, I mean, we're in 2021. It's no longer a secret that you can achieve success as a vegan bodybuilder, vegan athlete. So I don't think that the ridicule is there anymore, but the questions will probably still loom. And even with the advent of, you know, social media again, I, I don't see that. As I mentioned, I haven't competed in seven years, so I don't know exactly what that temperature is like backstage anymore. Well, you'll find out. Yes. <laughs> so I guess one question that I would have, and I have this about the general public too, is what is stopping people? You and I see it so clearly your plant-built teammates see it so clearly. So what about another guy who's there, another woman, particularly if they lost maybe to a vegan? I love that line you said, I'm not gonna lose to a vegan. <laughs> but, but what if they did? I mean, what's, what's the barrier? I just think that's my 2022 stop question. What is keeping people from seeing this the way we do? You know, Tradition, you're gonna go down fighting, kicking, screaming. For example, earlier you mentioned pushback. Um, and when I first became even vegetarian in my first trip back home, as I told you, I'm from the Midwest, meat and potato country. And I'm at a family gathering and I'm telling my family, hey, I don't eat meat anymore. And they're looking at me, you know, with like I have a third eye now. It's tradition runs deep and people will try to cling on to it, fighting and screaming. And I mean, you think about it when you, if you watch television, you look at the advertising that you see, look at everything that's around us in your environment. It's geared towards profits, unfortunately, at the sake of innocent animals. And people are so ingrained in those things that they think that's what they truly need and they will not release it. It took somebody planting the seed just randomly and me deciding to do my own research, which got me here. And Prior to COVID, I used to tour with some of the other vegan athletes, sometimes alone at different veg fests, corporate events, and speak about the benefits of plant-based nutrition, exercise, uh, share my story, how I achieved uh, amount of success as a vegan athlete. And I would always get questions and messages later on about people who said it finally made sense to them the way I, my delivery, I try to keep it upbeat, engaging, and people will gravitate towards that. I figure I'm up against these flashy commercials and ads that say beef, it's what's for dinner. I need to bring and deliver a certain way to make people in, want to see, or at least question and send me the messages to say, hey, what is this all about, Will? What is this, what's really going on? So that seems to work for me. But again, on the flip side, that there are people that will cling on like their life is on the line before they give up animal products but it's to the detriment of you know of course animals environment and then their own health and that was always my approach too because 
people are, let's just call it what it is, people are selfish. And if you talk about the health standpoint, that usually will get their attention and shake them up a little bit because yeah. they're, they're tired, they're sick and tired of being tired and living on a life of prescription meds. I mean, in the way the game or industry is set up, I mean, pharmaceutical companies thrive on, or they, they don't like two types of people. That's healthy people and dead people. They want you somewhere right in the middle with symptoms, you know, so you can be a lifelong customer to feed their pockets and keep those Learjets and <laughs> everything else going. So sometimes you just have to break it down and people can see logic behind it. And that sometimes works too, so. And that, and that would be a great social media post. The pharmaceutical industry doesn't like dead people or healthy people. Exactly, you know <laughs> It's true. And, and you know, nothing, nothing to um, be down on medications that people actually need and procedures. That's wonderful oh, yeah. that we have them. But there's just so much we can do, you know, for our own health and, and, and to make the world different. I mean, so with the environmental thing, of course, we're going to need governments and corporations at some point to get their act together. But if we could get our act together as a global community and stop eating animal products, there would just be such a push forward. And I, I just love it how people in their various fields are getting out there and, and making this better known. So everybody, we're talking with Will Tucker and you can find him online at Will Tucker Fitness, uh, Instagram, Facebook. We'll put all of his URLs on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So it's February, but it's still a fairly new year. So looking ahead, the old corporate question, where do you see yourself five years from now? We've got one minute. Oh, wow. Five years from now. Um, well, even though I've been a trainer the last 16 years, I think I'm approaching the end of that. So at some point within these next five years, I like to transition and um, hopefully the world open back up and I'll be able to get back on stage soon. I'm not good at this virtual thing, trying to reach people. I like interacting with people face to face. You can feel the energy. You can light the room up. And I want to get back out, start touring and speaking about the benefits of uh, plant-based nutrition along with uh, exercise and hopefully can continue to slowly get those people to waken up that we talked about earlier. And also, I think at the end of, I'm at my fitness studio right now, I think I'm going to transition and possibly go into a juice smoothie business. Oh, cool. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Will, yeah, you are pleasure. absolutely delightful. I am so happy that we have gone from Facebook friend to friend friends in, in this half an hour. And when things open up again, you get yourself to New York City. We'll go have some juice. I and will. Thank you. <laughs> thank you and for having me. I you. truly, truly appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for having me, Victoria. And I will take you up on that juice in New York. <laughs> bless <on>. you. <laughs> and thanks to everybody who listened. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, 
I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.